<clears throat> Starting at verse 19, James chapter 1. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive meekness, the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word. Everybody say doers. doers. And not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth away and straightway, forth, straightway foregoeth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, everyone say doer. doer, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, well, that's a hard one right there, but deceiveth his own heart, this man religion is vain. Another uh, version says that this man's religion is useless. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. From this scripture text, I want to preach on a new year, a new resolution. God, we praise you tonight. We thank you for your spirit that we've already felt. God, we just thank you for your anointing, Lord. We know that your word is already anointed, God. I ask that anointing just flow into me and flow out from me, Lord, into this house. God, move on every soul here, Lord. We know that there's some here that have needs, God, that have need of the Holy Ghost that might be need to be baptized in your name. God, we ask that they just find a place of repentance tonight, God, and that they would seek your face, God, that you would do a mighty work in a quick amount of time, God. Oh, because we know that you're soon coming, Lord. We praise you. We glorify your name in jesus holy name we pray let the church say amen amen you can be seated webster's dictionary defines a resolution as a firm decision to do or not do something a new year's resolution is a commitment that an individual makes to a project you know maybe it's uh i'll get something finished this year i'm building onto a house i'll finish it i'm restoring a car i'll i'll finish it this year that's my resolution I've played around long enough. I'm going to get it done this year. Um, I'm going to go to college this year. I'm going to get my degree. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that, you know. We all have resolutions that we make, with things that we want to accomplish in the new year. Or maybe it's the reforming of a habit. You know, I've been, maybe I smoke or drink or I do this or I, I whatever the habit may be. Uh, I eat too much or I don't eat right or this, that, and the other that, we come in the new year thinking, you know what, I'm going to do things different. The slate's wiped clean. I can start over. It's a fresh new start. And that's all great. And, you know, I think we should all have goals because it's goals. You know, what's the, the scripture say? The people without vision, what do they do? They perish. You've got to have a vision. You've got to know where you want to go. You've got to know what you want to achieve. You can't just wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. You know what? You see the goal? God told us we're going to get there. Let's go. Let's quit walking around and wandering. Let's go find out what he has for us in the promised land. So, <clears throat> talking about the subject of a new year, new resolution, a few statistics for you. On uh, the top New Year's resolutions made in 2015, can anybody guess what the number one resolution of 2015 was? 
Go figure. Everybody wants to lose weight. Um, number five is stay fit and healthy. Number six is learn something exciting. Number seven is quit smoking. Number 10, this was really shocking to me. Number 10 on the list, not number five, four, three, whatever. Number 10, spend more time with family. I want to lose weight, but I don't want to be with my family while I'm doing it. <laughs> so statistics about New Year's resolutions, 45% uh, of all Americans make a New Year's resolution. Guess how many people are successful in exceeding, achieving that resolution? 8%. Almost half of the population makes a New Year's resolution. Only 8% achieve that goal. Percent of people in their 20s who achieve their resolution each year, 39%. Percent of people over 50 achieve their, revolution, their resolution, 14%. So if you're over 50, you've got a hard time keeping your resolution. So those of us who are in between 20 and 50, I fall in that category. There ain't even a number to put on them. So we're talking about resolutions here, and, and you, you would think that's all I'm going to talk about. Hey, New Year, we're going to have new goals and this, that, and the other. And that, that's part of the point here. But let's look at resolution in a different manner. Optical resolution describes the ability of an imaging system to resolve detail in the object that is being imagined, imaged. The physical resolution at which a device can capture an image. The term is used most frequently in reference to an optical scanner or digital camera. Anybody got a digital camera around here? Most people don't even carry it anymore. They've got a smartphone. I've got an iPhone 6, and it takes about as good a picture as I need. Uh, my sister's got some high-dollar Canon that I think is part telescope. Um, a camera taking a picture at 15 megapixels will definitely produce a better picture than what it takes at two megapixels. Do we all agree on that? You take a phone from 1990 and take a picture with it, a little flip phone, or take my iPhone and you try sending the message, it's a big difference in contrast. My wife's parents in Illinois, her mom had a flip phone. I think she might still have one. And we'll send her pictures of Nathan, and she'll write back or, or text back and say, oh, he's so cute. And then when we get to Illinois and she's like, yeah, here's the picture you sent me. I'm like, is that my son? That doesn't look nothing like him. Because the megapixels, the resolution in her camera phone is so horrendous that you can't even make out any details in it. Now taking our attention back to Scripture, let's look at verses 23 and 24. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. I think it's safe to say that if we look around tonight, we can see that we understand the importance of a mirror, right? Everybody in here is dressed properly. <laughs> you know, we don't have shirts on backwards and pants on backwards and shoes on the wrong feet and zippers undone and all this. We all are dressed in a proper manner. Um... Sometimes when we come to church, we see those that don't take time to stand in front of the mirror. You know, most people, the last thing they do before they walk into the house, what do they do? They look in the mirror. You know, make sure I ain't got no toothpaste on my mouth, this, that, and the other. Me, I'm, I'm in a hurry trying to get to work. My hair is, usually doesn't get messed with. But I'm going to make sure my face isn't so jacked up that I'm going to scare somebody if I pull into work. So you look around. Most people, 
most people look pretty good. That You can tell. They've spent time looking in the mirror. Uh, those of you who are single that don't have a significant other to tell you whether or not you look well enough or not, you know, you rely on that mirror because maybe you're looking for that significant other and you want to get in front and say, oh, man, she's going to be there tonight. Got to make sure my hair is in place. Make sure I'm looking good tonight. There's times that I don't even need a mirror because I'll walk out and Jamie will say, are you wearing that shirt? Are you wearing that? Tonight, I I had a suit out and she's like, are you going to wear that? Because we're wearing this. So what was my response? No, I wouldn't. I, you know, I wouldn't plan on wearing this. <laughs> I just wanted to look at it, I guess. So we stand before the mirror to make sure our hair is just right, our clothes aren't wrinkled, our faces are clean, etc. The mirror is usually the last place we look before we walk out the door. Just this past weekend, I stand in front of the mirror, and I noticed a few new gray hairs on the side of my head. So, you know, I'm like, man, I realize I'm getting older. There's, there's some new hairs right there. So I, I was like, you know what? It's a good thing I keep my hair short. It's, they're not as noticeable when it's as short. Uh, but when it grows out a little bit, Jamie will be sitting next to me, and she'll look over, and you got some new gray hairs coming in there. That tells me it's time for a haircut. <coughs> James likens the word of God to a mirror, that we should not only be hearers of the word but doers of the word also. It's easy to take the mirror and flash it before others and point out any discrepancies that they have. The Word of God is like a mirror, and it's easy to take that mirror and say, you know what, look right there, Brother Sammy, you're not lining up to that. Look right there, saints, you don't line up in this mirror. You don't look quite right in this mirror. But when we take that mirror and flash it in front of ourselves, we get a different result. We're like, oh, I don't like that too much. That's a little bit uncomfortable right there. When we see the true resolution of what God sees when he reflects his word onto us, we're like, wait wait a minute, God, that's a little bit uncomfortable. It's easy for me to show you what's wrong with you and to point it out on other people when, when God takes his word and shines it deep in my soul and says, you know what, this is what you're not lining up to, buddy. I wonder tonight if we could allow God to bring down the mirror in front of us. Would we be able to take what we see? If he put the mirror of his word down in front of our heart and in front of our soul and said, take a good gander, son, take a good gander, daughter, would we really be able to take it? James 1 and 26. If any among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man and his religion is in vain. That's a hard one. I can be religious. I can dress the part. I can go to church every Sunday. I can be faithful in my tithes and my offering. But if I can't control this, the most powerful muscle in my whole body, if I can't control that, it's all in vain. I can look the part, but if I'm not lining up to the mirror of God's Word, it's all in vain. Luke 18, 10 through 14. Two men went up to the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee and the other a publican. Two Pharisees stood and prayed thus. The Pharisees stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank thee that I'm not as the other men are. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes into heaven, but smote upon his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Be merciful to me. I'm a sinner, God. Forgive me. 
I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. You know what? That same spirit of the Pharisees, it's still alive today. I have to fight it. You have to fight it. Everyone in this church has to fight it. Because you know what? That's one thing about being apostolic and Pentecostal. There's times in our lives that we get to a point where we think we've achieved. I've been baptized in his name. I've been filled with his spirit. I've come to the place where I'm there. And it's so easy to see someone come in whose life messed up and forget about what I just went through two years ago or five years ago or ten years ago. God's saying, you better watch out. You better watch out. You better remember who you are and where you came from. You're a sinner saved by grace. It's so easy to find fault in someone else. But God's saying, whoa, buddy, you better watch out. I can fool man. I can come in here and I can play the part of a Christian. I can come in here and fool probably about everybody in here. Now, unless you've got a great discerning spirit, which I pray that someone would, if somebody comes up here and does that, that's something most people don't pray for anymore, a discerning spirit. I can fool people. I can go to work and I can fool them and make them think, man, Paul's a good guy. He's doing everything right. He's a Christian. He lives a good life. But I can't fool the mirror. I can't fool God's mirror. I can look the part in front of you, but when it comes down to lining up to his word, I can't fool that. I've got to be examined by his mirror. It's when we look at ourselves through the mirror of God's word that our lives are brought into perfect resolution. We get a clear picture of where we truly are, where we line up. If I compare myself to you or you compare yourself to me, yeah, I can find stuff in you wrong, you can find stuff in me wrong, but we can both say, you know what, we're all right. We're doing pretty good. There's scripture, it says, don't compare yourself to the number. But when we compare ourselves to God's word, when we reflect his mirror onto our lives and say, God, bring it down in perfect resolution, where I can see clearly my faults, where I can see clearly where I need to work on, where I can see clearly what I need to be like. Yeah. That's the type of resolution we need to strive for, to be able to see clearly through his eyes. The mirror lets us truly see who we are. Every flaw, every wrinkle. But you know what? Being able to see all those flaws and wrinkles and all these things that are imperfections affords us the opportunity to correct them. God didn't just reflect his mirror of his word into your life just to say, I got you. You're not lining up. He puts it in front of you to say, look, I'm not trying to beat you down, but look, you need to strive toward this. This is what you need to work on. I'm not trying to beat you or browbeat you. I'm trying to bring you a little bit closer. I'm trying to design something in your life. I'm trying to work something. I'm trying to use you for a purpose. It hurts to be examined by God's word. James 3, 7 and 8. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is unruly evil, full of deadly poison. We can tame all the animals of the world. You go to a zoo and you can see tigers and lions and circus 
animals and stuff that, you know, they get in a lion's cage and have tricks done and everything with, with beasts of the wild. Man can tame so many things. We can tame the mighty Mississippi River with dams and, you know, levees and this, that, and the other. That might be changing here shortly come this weekend, they're saying. But man has is able to tame so much of this world. We can take these streams and create electricity out of it. We can do so many great things, but we cannot tame the tongue. Such great power that, that man holds in the power of his hand and his mind to do great things, but he can't control his tongue. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. James 3, 9 through 12. Therewith bless we God even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeded blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not be so. He's saying, you know what? We can come to church and we can bless each other. Bless you, Brother Sammy. Bless you. You know, you do greetings every Sunday morning. Oh, it's good to see you. Bless you. You're getting a card. Did you see what Sister So-and-So was wearing? Did you see what sister so-and-so was doing? I heard so-and-so was doing this, that, and the other. Next service, bless you. It's good to see you. Glad you're here today. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine, figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. How many people in here drink coffee? I know that's a lie. Everybody's hands probably be up. Everybody but about mine and a couple of kids probably. And some of the kids probably do. I better watch preaching on coffee, huh? How many coffee drinkers in here, if you had a coffee pot at your house and when you went to go fill up your cup of coffee, you didn't know if decaf or caffeinated coffee was going to come out, how long would you keep that pot? It's 10 o'clock at night. I'm going to get me a cup of decaf and relax for a few minutes and go to bed. And guess what? Caffeinated coffee came out. You'd know it, wouldn't you? You'd know it real quick. What would happen to that coffee pot the next day? It'd be gone. That water fountain out there, if every time you went to go get a drink of water out of that fountain and you hit the button, you're just like, I hope salt water don't come out this time. What would happen to that? that water fountain out there, Brother Sammy. It wouldn't be in this church very long, would it? Just like the Word of God, what we put inside of us, that's what should be reflected out. It shouldn't be one of these things where, where we're getting around certain people, you don't know what's going to come out. Oh, Brother Paul, when he's over with these people, he'll say the right thing. But if he gets over here, I know how he's really going to act. Jeremiah 23 and 29. Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? The hammer will break things out of you that shouldn't be there. The mirror is designed to reflect back to you what you really are. It allows you to see the changes you need to make to be presentable to the public. When you stand in front of the mirror in the morning, it lets you know, all right, I can't go out looking like this because my hair is whacked out. When I get up in the morning, my hair on the right side is, and I know today's the day to wear a hat. 
the mirror lets you know what you truly look like. It allows you to see the changes you need to make. It's the mirror of God's word that helps us to be presentable to God. Without the mirror of his word, we'd never line up. We'd have no guidance. We'd have nothing to look at to reflect what we should be looking at, what we need to be looking like. We've got to have something that says, you know what, this is what you need to, this is what you need to strive to. A couple of thoughts concerning God's word as a mirror. God's word is the only thing that I know of that helps me see myself as I truly am. You know, growing up, your parents, they say, oh, he's the cutest baby, or this, that, and the other. And it's rare you see a baby that's ugly. But, you know, I've seen some babies that, that weren't as attractive as others. And, of course, my son, when he was a baby, I thought, that's the cutest baby I've ever seen. You probably thought that about your children. That's the cutest baby I've ever seen. They can't all be the cutest. Just mine. We've got to be at a point where we can see our true selves in the Word of God. It will always reveal the truth about my life. It will, we need that to correct the problems that we have. I don't want to be like the man in James who looked in the mirror, saw himself, and walked away and forgot and did nothing. He saw himself in the mirror. He walked away and forgot what he looked like, and he just went on. If there's a time you look in the mirror and you're like, you know what, I'm not so sure about what I'm seeing in the reflection, you better get back in front of that mirror and say, God, let me get into your word. Let me get into your word and cleanse me, design me, and make me the way you would have me to look. Yeah. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God's word is a mirror for restoration and cleansing. The same word that reveals sin in our life also provides a way for the cleansing. The Levit Levitical priesthood, they made the laver of water, the place where they were cleansed. They made it out of copper, out of the mirror, the looking glasses of the women. So that when they were cleansing themselves, they would see their true self in there. It was a reflection of what they looked like. The same way God's word. When we get into that, we see our true self. Because when we get into his word, it, it starts shining some light on some things. Now granted, that all sounds good and dandy. But how many of y'all read the Bible and you're like, you know what? I just don't understand anything this thing's saying. That's where you've got to have his spirit inside of you. His spirit is what reveals everything. His spirit is what clears that mirror up a little bit where you can start really seeing the reflection of God wants you to look like. If you just go and just start reading, I'm going to read my Bible plan and just read, 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 read. Ahab and Rahab and all these, you can just blast through all that and get nothing out of it. But when you get in there with his spirit and you say, God, I want this thing to reflect in me. God, I want this thing to change me. I want you to bold me like you want to. And then you start reading his word. That mirror is going to start shining a little bit brighter. And you're going to say, whoa, wait a minute. I didn't know about this. It's going to start giving you some convictions. 
Oh, I said that word. It's going to give you some convictions. Oh, maybe I don't need to be doing that anymore. Maybe the things that I thought were okay probably aren't as good as I thought they were. You know what? God, you, you really don't want me doing this or hanging out there, do you? Nobody wants a conviction. We all want to just be able to do what we want to do, how we want to do it. But when we get in God's Word and we're truly hungry and wanting Him to move in our lives, and we say, God, use us for your glory, He'll start saying, you know what? I need to wipe a few things out. You need to move a few things out of your life over here. We just came through Christmas. Heard a wise woman tell us this this weekend. Mary was pregnant with a baby, a virgin birth. We all know the story. Back in that time, it didn't look too good that she uh, wasn't married and she was pregnant. So when she first got pregnant, I'd say it's pretty, pretty easy to hide, don't you? She wasn't showing that much. But as the babe started growing in her belly, people started noticing her. People started seeing something different. It's the same way with God's Spirit. When His Spirit starts growing inside of you, people should be able to notice. They should be like, you know what? Something's looking a little bit different about that guy. Something's looking a bit different about that girl. Just as the, the Christ babe was growing inside of her, as Christ's Spirit starts growing inside of you, people will take notice and say, you know what? They look a little bit different now than they used to as His Spirit's growing and just dwelling inside of you. A woman can't be pregnant and have a babe inside of her and go nine months and have no change in her figure. It doesn't make sense. You know, I, I've heard of people, I think Jamie worked with someone where a lady kept taking time off work because she said she was pregnant, but nothing ever changed in her body. She was trying to get out of work. When there's truly something birthed in your life, there will be a change. There will be a real change. It won't be something that just is fake and make-believe. It'll be a change where others will see it. They can't help not see it. If God is truly living inside of you, others have no choice but to see it. Because you will not look the same. You will not act the same. Psalms 119 and 9, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereunto according to thy word. His word also instructs us to be held accountable to those over us. That's another scary one. How many of you have smartphones in here? About everybody, huh? It's the same people who drink coffee got smartphones too, huh? It's amazing. Take your smartphone, pass it to somebody. Give it to somebody. If you got a smartphone, give it to somebody. Somebody random. Somebody watch the door and make sure nobody steals phones out here. Give, give your, just give your phone to somebody. Somebody random. If you got a smartphone that accesses the internet, your Facebook, your Twitter, your social media, everything, pass it on to somebody. Now give them the code to your phone, because everybody in here has got a code on their phone, right? Why is everyone laughing? 
Brother Sammy's got my phone, but do you know the code to that? So what can you do with that? Nothing. <laughs> That's smart. We're all fine if we just hand something we know somebody can't mess with, they can't look at. But when we give that code and they can see what we've been looking at, what we've been doing, what we've been posting, that makes us a little bit uncomfortable. We don't like that feeling. Whoa, I don't know about that. If this is the church you attend, this right here is the man of God that you're accountable to. Point blank. We all should have somebody that we're accountable to. My wife knows the code to my phone. I know the code to her phone. Every now and then she'll go through and look through my text. and I'll say to her, hey, what are you doing? And she'll do the same thing. And I'll do the same thing. She'll say the same thing to me. But you know what? I want to be held accountable. I want to be held accountable to somebody. Because you know what? If I rely on my flesh and I'm not looking in the mirror, I'm going to fail. I'm going to go somewhere I don't want to go. I'm going to do something that I don't need to do. I'm going to be putting something online that I don't need to be doing. I'm going to be looking at something I don't need to be looking at. We all should be held accountable. Oh, you're just talking craziness there. Hebrews 13 and 17. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls as they must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For this is unprofitable to you. I don't want the man of God in my life to have a given account for me with, with sadness because, you know what, I tried, but Paul was unruly. He didn't want to be accountable for nothing. But when we're, we're looking in the mirror on a daily basis and letting God's Word cleanse us, you know what, we say, hey, I'm struggling with some things, Brother Sammy. I need an accountability uh, partner. I need somebody to keep track of me and call me every now and then and say, Paul, have you been reading? Have you been praying? Have you been doing this? Because if I'm left to my own devices, guess what? I'm not going to do what I need to do. I'm talking about getting a clear resolution of what God wants in our lives. And when you're truly trying to follow His process and, and follow His Word, He makes you want to do things that please Him. Psalms 139, 23 through 24. When a child of God looks into the Word of God... He sees the image of God is transformed into that image for the glory of God. Read that again. When a child of God looks into the word of God, he sees the image of God and is transformed into that image for the glory of God. Not for yourself, not for the glory of your church, but for the glory of God. To be like him, we must not just read it and hear it. We must do it. We must live by the principles set forth in his word. When we do, we will truly be changed. There's going to be times in everyone's life where the shout and the dance is only going to carry you so far. You can come in church, run the aisles, jump the pews, do somersaults out here. I would say roll on the ground, but Pentecostals don't do that anymore, do they? We're too dignified for that. You can do all that, but it's only going to carry you so far. There's going to come a place in your life where that's not going to get you, but so far. It's in those dry times where the knowledge of God's Word is what will carry you through. 
I can come in here and shout. We could have service every week, week in and week out, and shout and praise and worship the whole time and no preaching and go home and nobody will be changed. Correct me if I'm wrong, Brother Sammy. No one will be changed. Well, I'll leave the church feeling good and feeling like God met us today, had one get baptized filled with the Holy Ghost, but no words ever spoken, nobody's life will ever be changed. It'll all be for show. We've got to have his word in our life. If God gives the man of God a word, it's for somebody. Now, I'm not saying anything wrong with the shout and the dance and all that. There's times, you know what? Hey, God did something miraculous in here. There was no word. That's biblical too. But not every service is going to be strictly shouting and dancing. You've got to have a word imparted into your life. Psalms 119 and 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Thy word have I hid in my heart so I can't sin against you, God. I need your word, God, so I know what to line up to. I need your word, God, so I know which direction I need to go. I need your word in my life, God, so I know which decisions I need to make for my life. I need your word in my life, God, so I know who to marry. I need your word in my life, God, so I know what school to go to. I need the word in my life, God, so I know which job to take. God, I need your word in my life, God, so I know how to raise my children. God, I need your word in my life so I can be pleasing unto you. When we look in the mirror of God's word, he truly shows us what he wants us to be like. Hebrews 11 and 1. Scripture we can all quote. And I'm wrapping up if somebody wants to come to some music. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. What's the rest of the scripture? The evidence of things not seen. The devil would love for your perception to be your reality. Got a boss that told me that a long time ago. Perception's reality to some people. Perception is reality. Well, what does that mean? Perception's reality. Whatever you see, that's, that's truth. That's the gospel. I saw it, it's gospel. It's, it's that. That's not faith. The devil would love for that to be your reality, whatever your perception is. How many people in this house tonight have a need right now? How many in here got a sickness? Keep your hands up. That way we, we, we hit everybody. How many in here got a sickness? more hands going up. How many in here need the Holy Ghost? Leave your hands up. Even if you've had it up already, leave it up. We got people in here need the Holy Ghost, right? How many have not been baptized in Jesus' name? I've got needs. I fall into one of these categories. We all have a need. You look around. Everybody's hands up. It's not just, oh, it's me and I'm by myself. I'm the only one messed up in this house tonight. I'm on the platform tonight, but you know what? My hand's in the air. I'm messed up and I need God. I need His Word to impart something in me tonight. The devil would love for you to start this new year, 2016, dwelling on your past hurts. All your shortcomings, all your failures, everything that went wrong in 2015. Anybody have a perfect 2015? 
completely perfect. It was nothing wrong. Brother Sammy, did you, was your 2015 absolutely perfect walking on clouds? What about 2014? Anybody had a perfect year? Nobody. We've all had problems, and the devil would love for us to go into 2016 just realizing, you know what? Here goes another year. I'm battling this sickness again. I'm battling this no good for nothing husband or wife or these bratty kids or this, that, and the other. I'm, I'm battling all this stuff but going into another year. The same old thing. I'm, I'm still fighting these same battles. To the point where that becomes your reality. That's, that's all you see. You see nothing but the things that are wrong. The things that are, are, are problems in your life. He would love for you to see your current situation or sickness as it is. He'd love you to look and see, I've got cancer. Yep, that's a death sentence. I've got cancer. But through faith, you can see what God has in store for your future. If we could, let's all stand. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. I can't see it. God, I can't see my brother in church yet, but you know what? I can see it. I can't see my healing of this disease, but I can see it. I can't see my marriage 100% right, but I can see it, God. The devil might tell me that it's been messed up for so many years, but you know what? That's not what I'm seeing. This hadn't been a perfect year, but you know what? I still haven't seen the righteous forsaken. Anybody seen a healing this year? A bona fide healing, not just something, you know what, I had a headache and it's gone now. Anybody really seen a healing this year? I have. Anybody seen any miracles this year? A real miracle. Anybody seen anybody be filled with God's Spirit this year? You've seen a miracle. Anybody see anybody get buried in a watery grave this year? You've seen another miracle. Sins washed away. If we can get to the point where we start seeing our miracle. Oh, God. Jesus. See your miracle. See your, see your situation as God has commanded it to be. You know what? If you've got diabetes or something else, God, I see this blood pressure. I see this blood sugar the way you created my body and designed it to be. God, I see this cancer, this, this tumor on my, my lungs or whatever. I see these lungs breathing as you put breath in them. I don't see it with a tumor. I see it how you designed it. If we can get to the point where we can see our miracle. See your miracle. See your loved one in church with you. Look around. We see some empty pews in here tonight, don't we? Start coming in here on Sunday morning and say, you know what? Praise the Lord. Glad you're here tonight. Oh, man. Oh, man. I like those shoes you got. That's nice. Oh, look at Oh, man, brother. Oh, look. How's your kids doing? See the people who ain't here. See them as they are here. The devil wants to tell you, you know what? There's empty pews. They're going to be empty next week. Come in here and look like an idiot and say, you know what? Oh, man. Brother so-and-so's back, Brother Sammy. Look at him. He's on fire for God still. He got the real thing, as Brother Carl would say. If we can get to the point where we can see what God has in store for us. If we can see the miracle, there will be miracles. If we can see healings, there will be healings.
But when I'm looking through these two things on top of my head and that's all I'm looking through, I'll never see what God has planned for me. But when I start looking through the mirror of His Word and I say, you know what? I'm blessed. Why? Because He says I'm blessed. I've lost my job, but you know what? I'm not going to be forsaken. I might not be living 100% right, but you know what? My God's still for me. I don't see it, but you know what? His Word says it. That's all I need. That's all the assurance that I need. And we need some people that are going into 2016 and says, you know what? I might have had a hard 2015. I might have had a lad, a bad last four or five years, but you know what? That's not what I'm going into this year seeing. I'm seeing myself filled with God's Spirit. I'm seeing myself on fire for God. I'm seeing myself receiving my miracle. I'm seeing my loved ones with me. We need a clear resolution of what God wants for our lives. So as they sing, if you need a miracle, a real miracle, if you need God to do something, I ask that you please do not leave this service tonight. God is here and He's wanting to do something miraculous. That's not just me talking. It says where two or three are gathered, Brother Sammy already quoted it, in His name. Y'all aren't here to bless the name of Brother Paul Farley or Brother Sammy Pruitt or Brother Joe Woods. We're here to bless His name. So we're gathered in His name. So if you want to see a miracle, a true miracle going into 2016, this is the place you can get it. There's not going to be miracles happening downtown on Broadway this night. There's going to be a bunch of people that are going to wake up in the morning, going to be worse off than they were tonight. I want to see somebody filled with the Holy Ghost. I would love to see somebody get filled with His Spirit when the clock strikes midnight. You know what? Look over here. This baptistry's got water in it. I would love to see somebody get buried tonight. And 2015 is the year, you know what? My life ended, but you know what? It started over again. If you want to receive your miracle, I ask that you please, please come to this altar. Find a place. Somebody will pray with you. God's Spirit is wanting to do something. God is saying, trust me. Just test me. Test me. You know what? If you come up here and we lay hands on you and God doesn't do something, it ain't my reputation on the line. Because I don't have no authority. I don't have the power. It's God's reputation. And if He says He can do it, He can do it. we got to get out of the box and quit being scared of, well, what will they think if I pray for so-and-so because she's sick and she don't get healed? Well, last time I checked, you ain't the one giving the healing anyway. We get so scared. Somebody will come into our, our sanctuaries that looks crippled. Or, oh, man, I can pray for you if you've got a cough. But if you're coming in with a cane or crutches or something, I'm going to stay away. Brother Sammy, you can pray for them. If you've got God's Spirit, if you've got His Spirit inside of you, you say, you know what, God, it's on your reputation. You said that I could lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Let's go with it. I'm not trying to be obnoxious. I'm just faithful in His Word. When I look in His mirror, it's true. It's right. It will not fail. It cannot fail. When it says, you know what, if you're baptized in my name, ye shall what? Receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It doesn't say if you do this, you might. It says ye shall. If you've followed Him in a watery grave, it's a promise to you. Step out and say, God, I want my promise tonight. 
You said it. Your word says it. I believe it. Let's go. I want it, God. 